Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me, if you will, to uh, once again to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Now, we've been looking at this passage of Scripture for several weeks, and uh, we looked last week at the fact that it is uh, the desire of God that He would perfect the saints, that He would uh, bring us to a sense of, of a place of per- perfection, not because of what we've done, but perfection first and foremost with uh, the acceptance of Jesus Christ into our heart and life, and the ultimate perfection of when we come into His presence, when we pass from this world into the, uh, the great beyond with Him and, and glory. And then we saw the practical perfection uh, that we talked about last week, and it's that perfection that we want to talk about today because that's the perfection that we as a church, a body of believers, uh, are responsible to do, that we're responsible to to be about doing in our church and within our uh, uh, group of, of uh, saints that have gathered together. And so uh, just a reminder of what we're looking at uh, once again, we're at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and it says, uh, uh, He gave some, uh, verse 11, he says, He gave some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some pastors and teachers per, for the, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto the perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait or deceive. And so we talked about that word perfection last time and we talked about how God brings us to perfection and we talked about how it's largely a work that God does within us. But uh, we need to talk a little bit more about perfection and how we accomplish that here. What is the means of uh, of perfecting the saint. What is the? Uh, what do we do in order to be perfected? Uh, to do the work that we're called upon. Now, now remember, we're not concerned with what Christ does because only Christ can bring us to the perfection of 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 knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Only God can perfect us when we're in His presence and uh, in glory when we're in heaven. So we can't do anything about either of those two things, but we can uh, uh, be concerned with the part of the practical perfection that we are uh, accomplishing as a body of Christ, as we're working together to serve God, and as God is working in us, and as God is, is, is bringing about His perfection in us by the sanctification of the saints, He calls upon us to... Uh, to 
be a part of that task. And the first way in which God uh, works in us to do that is to equip the saints. To equip the saints. And we see that in various passages of Scripture. And, uh, and what we mean by equipping the saints is, is that, look, uh, while it's important for us to come together and have worship, uh, there's a lot of things that have crept into the church that are in no means and, and by no uh, sense of the word uh, of equipping the saints. And a lot of times uh, uh, you'll, you'll go to church and, and they'll claim that in order to be about worship that they're all about uh, 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 this and that and the other program. And it's not about programs. It's not about uh, uh, entertainment. We're not here to entertain you. Uh, while uh, you might have a good time and, and the time that we have here together, uh, it is about... Uh, what our primary concern is is to equip the saints. Now, some some churches that all they focus on, and it's a good focus to have, is evangelism, evangel evangelize, evangelize, evangelize. But if all you're doing is reaching out to the lost and winning them to Christ, and then just setting them loose and not doing anything, uh, that's that's like trying to feed your family by going fishing and setting the fish free. You're not, you're not, when you go fishing, you want to uh, keep the ones that are good sized fish to eat on, right? I mean, I don't do a lot of fishing, but I think that's the process, right? You want to keep the ones that are big enough to eat on and the ones that have grown enough and matured enough. You can't feed your family if all you do is you catch fish and throw them back in the ocean. And we as a church need to do more than just simply win the lost for Christ. That's an important task. That is essential, but we've got to have more than a church full of baby Christians. We can't have a church full of immature baby and, and listen, that's how you wind up with church splits. That's how you wind up with disputes in the church. If nobody gets beyond the, the, uh, the adolescence of being a Christian, of, being, uh, of walking in Christ, then they're not prepared for that time in which they come into the presence of God. They, they're not prepared. And it's just like when Jesus gave the, uh, the parable of the different uh, souls. You know, he, uh, he talks about a, a farmer going out and casting the seeds into different soils. And some soil was, uh, was uh, the seed came up and it was choked out by weeds. Well, that's an immature Christian that gets out into the world and hasn't been uh, brought up and, and matured in a, a doctrinal belief and understanding of what happens. They get choked out. Their faith gets uh, challenged by those who are in the world and, and that faith, uh, that other uh, uh, arguments choke out their faith because they don't have a strong faith. Then, uh, then there's the soul that, that is shallow and doesn't have much substance to it. And that's the immature Christian that hasn't spent much time in the Word. Uh, and listen, if all you do is pick up your Bible on Sunday morning, well, I'm grateful that you pick it up on Sunday morning, but you need to pick it up more often. Now, I realize there's many other ways of studying God's Word. You can study God's Word using your iPhone, your tablet, your computer, and all kinds of other things. But if you're not in the Word studying and applying your Word on a regular basis, that's like uh, going all week without eating anything. Now, some of us could probably stand a little bit of that. 
But you can't stand doing that as a Christian. You need to spend their time in the Word of God. You need to be uh, allowing God's Word to speak to your heart. You need to allow the Spirit of God to help you to understand that Word and help you to uh, become uh, a part, a competent in understanding and reading the Word of God and, and, and uh, uh, figuring out what God is trying to, to share with you and to, to tell you and how you should live and walk. Those are all important factors, and that's what we as a church uh, strive to do when we come together. Uh, and and there's several passages of Scripture where we're, we're uh, told that we need to be doing that. Uh, in Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, I charge ye therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. Be insistent in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Uh, for the time will come when they will not embrace sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their eyes from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Folks, we're living in a day and age where people would prefer to hear fables and hear traditions rather than hear sound doctrine from God's Word. And we understand and we know that, that there are a lot of people who just don't simply... Uh, they don't want to go to church where sound doctrine is taught. They want to go to church where the pastor's funny and tells jokes and where big men come up and break ice cubes and... Uh, uh, not ice cubes like you have in your tea, but be, these big ice blocks and they uh, bend bars and, and they sh- uh, put on great feats of, of strength and things like that. And, and listen, uh, I, you know, I don't understand why certain churches do those things, but for the most part, they do those things to entertain people, to draw people's attention, and then maybe to get around to talking about Jesus Christ. We're not here for that. We're here to preach the Word of God, to teach the Word of God. And that's why it's important and essential that you come to Sunday school so that you can be in uh, an in-depth uh, uh, understanding of God's Word. And as they say today, to do deep deep dive. Go deep into the Word. Get, get down into the nitty-gritty of the Word and to understand what God's Word has to say to your life, uh, to you, and in your life. Well, there's another passage of scripture in First uh, Timothy chapter four, verse six. It says uh, that uh, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a, a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourish up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto. Thou hast attained. He says, listen, you've got to be in the Word. You've got to be in uh, the Word to get nourished in the Word. You have to do more than just... And listen, I, I remember when uh, our girls were little. It was my joy to, to feed them and to take care of them when Robin had to go back to work. And I had a, a wonderful time doing that while I was... Uh, studying and and working in the parsonage and things like that and listen uh, believe it or not them babies like to eat more than just once a day you know those babies they like to eat you know just about when they're first born they eat what every two hours I remember that I remember it clearly 
They won't, and what happens? They start crying if they don't eat every two hours. And it seems like as soon as it goes in, it comes out, right? Um, but listen, when you're a baby in the, in the natural sense, you have to eat on a regular basis. Why? Because your body's growing. Your mind is developing. Everything is, is just exploding inside of that baby just to help that baby to develop. And as a Christian, we've got to be about the same task. Wouldn't it be wonderful when we first became Christians if we would spend every two hours studying God's Word, and then as we got older, we'd understand that we can uh, get more in-depth and, and hit, hit the meat of the Word. And, and what, what you really ought to do is, uh, you know, as you get older, sometimes your, your chompers don't work as good as they used to. I have, Praise the Lord. Thank you. Mine have not started to go yet, but I understand certain people have difficulty. And uh, my... Uh, my dear sweet grandmother on my daddy's side, uh, she passed away many years ago. But I, I remember when she got older, uh, we would help uh, take care of her a little bit when we'd go and visit and things. And she would spend the longest time. Now, my dad, my dad could take forever to eat, and he he didn't he didn't simply just shovel it in and and go about his business. He took his time to eat it, and part of that was because it was a little bit more difficult for him to eat. But the older you get. You know, you slow down a little bit more when you eat. You you take a little bit longer to chew on that food, and and you you're not chewing a cud like a cow or anything, but but you take time to chew it and to savor it, and you you eat it slower. That's what we do as Christians as we mature. We we get into the Word and and we study the Word, and and sometimes you you. Uh, uh, chew on that Word and you let it just kind of marinate inside of your mind and your heart and you let God to speak to you on that and and uh, then maybe you go back later and you reread it and you reread uh, the Scripture and you reread uh, any devotional material that you might have found, uh, study material on the subject and, and sometimes you... You learn stuff that you didn't see the first time. Sometimes you, you understand things better. And, and, but if we're not growing and maturing, we'll never get to that point. We'll never understand what Scripture means and we'll never have an appreciation of what God's Word is trying to say to us. And so we need to be about doing that. In fact... Uh, it says here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, if you jump ahead a little bit, it says, "...and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God has created is righteousness and true holiness." We're to have a... Uh, we're to be... God is creating in us... <coughs> excuse me. God is creating in us a new creation, a new man. And if all we're doing is just simply going about as, as a baby Christian crying all the time because we don't have the, the Word of God being fed to us and the Word of God nurturing us and, 
and developing us will never become the mature Christians that God intends for us to be. And so the first uh, reason, the means of, of, of having that perfection is, is that we would equip the saints. And listen, when we equip the saints, that means the saints get busy to doing the task of, of reaching out to the lost and, and helping other Christians to grow in faith, to mature in their faith, and, and to, uh, to grow as Christians as well. And so we come to the second uh, reason or the means of having that perfection, and that is when we come together, when we, uh, the coming together of uh, the uh, disbanded limbs of, of God, the different parts of God, and we come together to work. We come together to serve God. We come together to live for Christ. And, and so uh, God calls us to... Uh, to doing that in first Corinthians chapter one verse ten it says now I beseech you brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that ye shall all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you what's that talking about unity but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment we're to come together in unity to have the same mind, the same purpose, the same desire, and that, that desire is to serve God, to, to be in unity, not just simply so that we're harmonious and have a good time when we have our business meetings like we do, but that's not the whole purpose of having unity. The unity is so that we come together so we all realize and understand that we need to do God's work in our lives, that we need to do the work that God has set before us of, of reaching out and equipping the saints, of reaching out to those who are lost, of helping those who need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, of reaching out and ministering to those who are hurting and to uh, helping those who are in need. Look at Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and established in the present truth. So he says, I'm always coming together with you, Peter said, and I'm always trying to remind you of these things. Why is he reminding them over and over and over again of the truths of God's Word, of the truths of, uh, that God is trying to establish in their life so that they would know what God's desire is for them so that they would grow in their faith and they would be equipped to serve Him and to live for Him. Verse 15 says, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my, de uh, uh, my decease to have these things always in remembrance. And so he says, I, I'm sharing all these things with you over and over and over again so you'll remember and so that when I'm not here that you'll remember them and that you'll put them in practice and so that you'll be about serving, of pulling together all these uh, 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 dislocated limbs of the body of Christ to bring all of them together so that we might serve. Remember in Acts chapter 6 when uh, the, the church was just growing and just starting to develop and they had uh, all these different believers that were coming to the uh, meetings and they came together and some of them were Hellenistic 
believers and some were Greek-speaking believers. They had different uh, groups that were meeting and having time together and because of their uh, time apart and being uh, exiled at different places, some of them spoke different languages. And Remember, there were some widows that... It was the responsibility of those uh, of the son of the of the family to care for the widowed mother, but uh, because uh, that had become a part of the ministry of the church was to minister to the the widows as they came together and banded all of their resources together. And as they were doing that, there were some that were saying, "Listen, uh, our widows aren't getting the care that they need." And they came to the disciples and they said, "We really need to uh, to do better about serving these uh, people that are in need of doing the ministry of the of the church, of doing the work of reaching out and helping people in need." What did the disciples do? They said, "Well, we can't spend all of our time." Uh, serving tables and neglect the study of the Word and the teaching of the Word. So they elected men that were had the Spirit of God upon them, men that were chosen to, uh, to do service and to, uh, to take... And, and listen, you had men like Stephen who was one of the first mentioned as a, as a deacon in the church. They laid hands on them and commissioned them to do the service, do the work of the church. Stephen, what was he doing? He was prophesying. He was doing miracles and he was uh, serving those who were in need. And that's what got him into trouble, actually, because he was, he was doing such a wonderful job and people got jealous of what he was doing. But we're called together to do the work of ministering to those who are in our communities and being a minister to those in the church. First Peter chapter four verse ten. Where is it? Oop. I'm looking at the wrong colors. First Peter chapter four verse ten says, uh, "As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards." of the manifold grace of God. Peter said, look, as God has gifted you, you have a responsibility to use that gift. As God has purposed in you to, for you to serve in a specific way and has given you a gift that you might serve, you're responsible to use that gift to reach out to those who are in need. The last reason for the, uh, the, uh, uh, the perfection of the body, the practical perfection is that the body is built up. But look at verse 12 back in Ephesians 4. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We're to be about building up the body of Christ, of building up each other, of helping one another to be strong in Christ. You know, if, if we've got word that one of us was involved in an accident, we would be 
all concerned for that person. Maybe many of us would rush to the hospital and make sure that person is cared for. Uh, others would maybe take uh, meals over to the house to help take care of the family and, and to help minister in that way. And Others might do some chores around the house to help minister in that way while that person is out. We would feel obligated to help each other when we're in that time of need. Now let's change that to a spiritual matter. Let's say, for instance, uh, one of our uh, uh, people in our fellowship were to have some kind of spiritual need because of some kind of temptation coming into their life. You know, the temptation for many churches is, is when they find out that somebody in the church has been drinking alcohol or gotten hooked on drugs or maybe had difficulty and wound up in jail or, or found themselves to be in a situation where they might have brought disgrace to their family. The tendency for most churches is, is to, oh, we're going to kick that person out. We're going to make sure that our fellowship stays pure. We don't want somebody like that. Oh, really? We ought to be rushing to their side and saying, listen, we know that, that you've had difficulty and problems. We're going to help you pick up the pieces and, and determine if they genuinely have a desire to repent of what they've been through. And look, we're not the ones that forgive sin. We're not the ones that are, are tasked with burdening someone to know that they've sinned in their life. But once that person comes to that place, it is our responsibility to help them pick up the pieces, to help them to come to a place where they're stronger in the faith, where they don't get uh, uh, tempted by those things, where they don't succumb to that temptation, and where they're stronger uh, spiritually and stronger in their testimony and stronger in their walk with Christ. But what do we usually do? Instead of building up the body, we usually want to kick each other out if we do anything, if we find out anything about each other that we don't agree with. We're to be about building up the body so that we, one, don't fall into those snares and traps. Help each other to study and know the Word of God so we're strong in the faith. So that we have the shield of faith that Paul will talk about later about the armor of God. We're to have that strength of understanding of God's Word so that we're protected against the wiles of the devil. But there are times where we fall, right? When our soldiers went into battle we, and they got uh, shot or something, we didn't just allow them to find their way to meander back to the back where they could get help. We didn't just leave them out there to die. What did we do? We went out there and we had men and women that would go out into the forward areas and rescue those who've been shot, bring them back to safety and help them to mend their wounds and get healthy once again so they can be with their family. We need to help each other to mend our wounds, to help each other to grow in the faith so that we'll be strong. So that's the, that's the means of perfection. That's how God brings perfection in us. Now the purpose. So real quickly, we're going to go over the purpose. First of all, look at verse 13 in Ephesians 4. It says, "...till all come in unity of the faith 
and in the knowledge of the Son of God. The first purpose of perfection is that we might have the unity of the faith. That's to grow in maturity, to grow in working together and serving God. And we need to have that unity of faith so that we all be mature. And as we mature and as we grow, what happens? We have a desire to go out and to reach those who are lost. We have a desire to go out and reach those who are hurting in this world. We have a desire to help those who are helpless. That's part of maturity. Secondly is that we would have the knowledge of the Son of God. He says, not just that we would have unity, but that we would have knowledge of God. Our uh, understanding is, is that we are to desire to have a deep, abiding, personal, experiential relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, we, uh, you wouldn't want to get married to somebody that you met the night of your wedding, would you? I mean, you wouldn't want to... You, I mean, most of us aren't familiar with the societies where that's happened, but and we kind of look at it as kind of backward, don't we? I mean, usually we see somebody that we fall in love with, and and we our heart gets taken from us, and we have a desire to get to... And we want to know everything there is. You girls, when you're in high school, you probably write that person's na- that boy's name a hundred million times in your notebook, and you write your name like you're already married, and and all that, and you want to get you want to find out what all of his favorite uh, colors is, and his favorite foods, and favorite things to do, so you can you can find out. Well, hey, that's my favorite too. And find out about it so that you, it can become your favorite and, and so you can have so much in common and everything. And, and then one day, you know, if you, if you date and all that kind of stuff, you, don't, you spend time getting to know each other. You don't simply just sit there and, and uh, uh, do other things. You want to get to know each other. When we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, He doesn't just set us free and say, hey, go on your way and hey, we'll see you someday. No, He wants us to get to know Him. He wants us to have a relationship with Him. Remember in the Revel- our study of Revelation, it's all about the marriage of the bride of Christ, which is the church, with the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Well, you don't want to... You don't want to spend all of eternity worshiping Jesus simply uh, without, not, without knowing who He is, without having a relationship with Him. And, and it helps us to grow in our faith. We need to have a deep, abiding, uh, uh, personal relationship with Christ. Not just simply say, hey, thanks for the salvation. I'll see you later. No, we need to, we need to know Jesus. We need to know Him, have a deep relationship. Thirdly, is to become like Christ that we would uh, come together and understand and know Christ and to be like Christ. In 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. When we come to know Christ, not only are we perfected, by His presence in our life, but we are changed and we become like Him. 
And so the perfecting of the saints is to be like Christ so that we would not just simply know Him, but be like Him. And fourthly, to have the knowledge of sound doctrine. Verse 14 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We need to have a knowledge and understanding of God's Word and His doctrine so that we won't be carried away by those who come by and say, hey, guess what? We found out. You can test that by the doctrine of God's Word. And if it's not sound doctrine, if it's not uh, true, you'll you'll realize it's false or true and, and you'll protect yourself. Protect others that you love for. So those are the purposes of perfection. Now the power, lastly. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Christ is the head of the church. I know I've been in a lot of uh, a lot of different churches, and I know some churches they tend to want to have a certain person that is the uh, the the person in charge of the church and all that. Listen, Christ is the head of the church. We're the body. Christ is the head. He's the one who provides us power in our life. He empowers the church to come together, to be united. He empowers the church to grow in our faith. It is the power of Christ, Jesus Christ, that empowers us to service. It is Jesus Christ who enables us to grow and develop. It is Jesus Christ who calls us to be mature and to be perfected in the faith. And it's Jesus Christ who empowers us. And we need to remember that. It's not a program that we do. It's not some teaching that we share, some mystery teaching that we all of a sudden uh, come up with, or some mystery uh, formula for church growth that causes us to, uh, to do things or, or anything like that. No, it is Jesus Christ. It's He who empowers us to do all that we do. And it is He that we ought to look to for the strength and the power to do all of this. This is impossible without Him. It's impossible with Jesus, without Jesus Christ. But with Christ, all things are made possible. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's join together for prayer. Dear gracious Father, Lord, we thank You and praise You so much for uh, Your wonderful love. And we praise You and thank You for... Your Word that speaks to our hearts and enables us to understand and know Your desire for our life. Lord, help us as we grow in our faith. Lord, help us to mature. Help us to grow past the immaturity of being a baby Christian. Help us, Lord, to accomplish the task and the role of the church that You've set out before us. Lord, we pray that You would help us to equip the saints. Lord, that we might do Your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.